we as humans, we want something more complex. We want like, okay, if I'm going to set a goal, it needs to be a really big goal. But the problem is that a lot of times, like we're not equipped for that bigness and anything that you create, it starts small. Hey friends, I'm Ryan Channel, a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, encouraging other women to seek and know God and grow a deeper relationship with Him. Welcome to Wellness and the Word, a podcast helping Christian women create ultimate mental and physical wellness through meditating on God's Word to renew our minds, learning how to apply His truth to our lives, and taking care of our bodies the way He intends us to. My love for Jesus and my passion for wellness as a holistic health coach collide in this podcast that shares the gospel. Gospel literally means good news, friends. Don't we need more of that in today's world? I believe we all have a God-shaped hole in our hearts, and I want to point you to the only one who can fill it. Come join me and be encouraged as we chat about God's love and how to take care of you. Hey friends, welcome to Faith Friday. And before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to remind you that we are praying for a miracle for Stephanie Scott. So if you didn't hear the last episode, Stephanie is a friend of mine that I grew up with, and she is battling cancer right now. She beat breast cancer last year. She just finished chemo in mid-December and The cancer was gone, but unfortunately, the cancer had migrated to her brain, and now she is fighting for her life, and we are truly, truly praying for a miracle, and we are seeing it happening. We are seeing so many prayer warriors come and fight for her and stand in the gap for her and praying for her. So please continue to pray for Stephanie. Pray for her body to be healed. Pray for strength. Pray for her husband, Jason, and her kids, Aaliyah and Devin, as they just face the unimaginable, as well as the rest of her family. Thank you so much for your prayers, and they are working, and we trust God that he is going to just be there for his daughter. So thank you so much, and please do not stop praying. Well, today I'm really excited because I have Hannah Brencher on the podcast, and Hannah is an author, blogger, TED speaker, and entrepreneur. She founded The World Needs More Love Letters, a global community dedicated to sending letter bundles to those who need encouragement, and I absolutely love that mission. Hannah's book just came out last week, Fighting Forward, Your Nitty Gritty Guide to Beating the Lies That Hold You Back. It's a reminder to stay in the fight, an anthem to give readers strength and a playbook on how to keep going. Hope is alive and there is still a reason to wake up, get up, and move forward into each new day. Hannah knows that the clock striking midnight on December 31st wasn't going to magically reset any of our lives. 2021 isn't the answer. It's still a lot of the same, right? Instead, we need to choose hope over the lies that we're not good enough. We need to stay in the fight, the fight to show up, the fight to move forward, the fight to believe we can actually change this world for the better. In Fighting Forward, Hannah shares personal stories of developing daily rhythms and sustainable faith in a culture of hustle. With a heap of hope for those who long to move from anxiety and fear into action steps, this book will encourage readers to savor the milestones they've already reached, root themselves in the next small step, 
welcome healthy routines into their day and apply grace-like sunscreen in the process of their own becoming. I have had the privilege of already reading this book and it is absolutely incredible. Hannah is an incredible writer and she does just offer so much hope and love and light in this book. And I'm really excited for you to hear today's conversation with Hannah Brencher. Well, welcome Hannah to the podcast. I am so excited to have you on today. Thanks for having me. I'm so pumped to be here. Yeah. So we are talking about your new book, Fighting Forward, which is out in the world now. Yes. So exciting. So surreal. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so great. I've had the privilege of reading it already and it's just so good, hit me so deep in so many ways. So thank you for writing it. Absolutely. And can you just let us know kind of how it came about? How was it born? Yeah. So um, the idea for, well, honestly, going way back before it was a book idea, it was just me simply battling through depression by writing what I called fight songs. Um, So they weren't actually like songs that I would sing. But um, they were words of encouragement to keep me pushing, to keep me moving forward. And that's really where that phrase comes from, of fighting forward. It was in a lot of my language before I even realized that it had been there all along, that like God knew this idea before I knew this idea. Because I think a lot of times we're not exactly running forward. We're not walking forward. We feel like that's what we're doing. We're fighting forward. It is a fight to get from one moment to the next moment. And so we ended up deciding that we were going to fill an entire book with these fight songs. And I loved writing it because, um, because my heart is so much for the reader and that I know that like books have the potential to change people's lives. And so I wanted to write a book that was going to propel people past obstacles and it was going to get them to show up to their life and to not just be a spectator on social media but to like be in their lives you know I think like so much of life is just passing us by and I wanted to give people like a battle cry to show up to your own life instead of just watching other people from a screen oh that is so good and it's so true and I'm sure everybody can relate to that because I know that I can relate to that. We get so stuck in the scroll hole of just seeing what everyone else is doing. And it's, we really can let our own life just pass us by. And it's just, it's a new addiction that we kind of have to get a hold of and realize and really kind of come back. So I love that. I love the fight song. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. So we all have inner critics telling us that we're not enough. We're not going to make it. How do we silence the lies? I mean, I think it is a daily battle to silence the lies and like the lies that I might believe are different than the lies that you would believe. Every person is unique. And what I've learned in my own journey is that the moment that you silence one lie, another one pops up. Um, And so not to be discouraged by that, but to know that we always have to be on, um, we always have to be on the defense. And one of the things that I talk about is this idea of like, not just living our life on the defense, not just waiting for the next lie to pop up and like kind of root itself inside of us, but to play offense, to decide we're going to go to battle before the lies even show up to, you know, search our hearts and take inventory and really ask ourselves, okay, like, 
what am I believing today? Like, what am I walking through? Like, what are the insecurities rooted inside of me? So I can start to fight those. And the way that I fight those um, is always like with my time with God um, that I don't look at like my time with God. It's like, oh, I'm just going to read a passage of the Bible and it's going to be like nice and fluffy. Like it's a real battle. And I, I believe that like if we enter into that communion with God, like God speaks. And so um, it's constantly laying those lies on the table and then being like, what is a better truth that I can pick up and walk with today? Show me where that truth is. And he's always faithful to do that. Yeah, he really is. And I love how you talk about that in the book. You talk about what is the lie that you're believing and what does God say? And just yeah. to, you know, smash that lie with God's truth. And then that's so important because so often we kind of have that self-reliance, which I think you talk about in the book too. And yeah, we really need to remember that we're just not strong enough on our own. And God is strong. God is not, um, God is not weak. He will help us and he has everything we need in that Bible. So to look yeah. to it. And I love how you talk about not just, not just opening the Bible and reading the passage and checking it off, but really going in deep with God and being proactive, not reactive. Mm, Yeah, it's huge. It's essential. And I think it's one of those things where it's like the Bible is a sword, but at the same time, you don't just pick up a sword and start flinging it around. Like you need to learn to use it. It is a tool. And so, um, gosh, that's my greatest hope that people would like learn to use it for the tool that it is. Yes, absolutely. So how does fear try to still the life that God made for us? I know you talk a lot about fear in the book. Yeah, I I talk about fear and and I don't necessarily even think that like fear is necessarily a bad thing. Um, You know, like I I think we should allow our lives to be run by fear, but I don't ever want to make it seem like, I don't know, I, I could be wrong. I have yet to get to a place in my own life where like, fear is not present. And I know that the Bible says like, don't be afraid, don't fear. And, and I try to apply that as much as I possibly can, but there's still always a little bit of fear somewhere. And I think the important part is that we don't become paralyzed by that fear or when that fear shows up, we decide that's still not going to change the outcome of how I'm going to show up, that we would feel the fear And we would do it anyway, because if we listen to the fear, we'll stay in one place. We'll never move forward. We'll never move outside of our comfort zones. And so while I think fear can teach us things and we can learn a lot from it, I also think, though, that if we think, oh, because I'm afraid of this, I'm just not going to show up, we're going to miss out on our lives completely. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You have to face that head on because you're just going to be paralyzed and stuck and that's that's just no way to live so no there yeah there's there's a fine line between realizing the fear and then still making sure that you move forward fight forward (laughs) (laughs) so the idea of just starting or starting small sounds so easy and I love this idea because I totally agree but it can really be the hardest part, right? So how have you found the strength to start? Well, I write a ton in the book about starting small and it's exactly like you said, it sounds really easy. 
And I think we as humans, we want something more complex. We want like, okay, if I'm going to set a goal, it needs to be a really big goal. But the problem is that a lot of times, like we're not equipped for that bigness and anything that you create, it starts small. Like I think about right now, like being in a book launch season and people think that's a big thing, launching a book. It is, but at the same time, it is a bunch of little things all stacked together. And if you can't show up for the little things, the big things don't happen. Um, And so the reason I talk about starting small is because it's honestly the only place that I know how to start. And even like, even me, somebody who like spends so much of their life learning about discipline, habits, routines, I still find it incredibly hard to start different things or to maintain different things. And so I don't think that that start small hurdle ever gets any easier, but I think it's the same remedy every single time is that if say, for instance, you want to read more of your Bible this year, probably saying if you, if you're not reading your Bible at all, probably saying I'm going to read an hour every single day is not going to work out that well for you. Um, There are people that like can go towards a goal and like nail it like that happens, but that is not the norm. And so instead of saying, okay, like I'm going to set this um, unattainable goal, like, okay, well, if the goal by the end of the year is to, um, is to get to the point where you're in the word of God an hour every single day, then start with the first month what do you need to do in order to consistently show up so that by the end of the year, you do have a fighting chance for that goal? It might be, okay, I'm going to start showing up three days a week for 15 minutes, or I'm going to show up every day for 15 minutes. And that doesn't mean that every day is going to be the most vibrant time of your life, but it's the consistency that builds. Because I think about like God, And the fact that like, we're called to be in relationship with him. Well, if my husband and me only saw each other once a month for three hours at a time, that would be really hard. And I would probably opt for the 15 minutes every single day because that would show me consistency. And so I think the problem with like this time of year, New Year's resolutions is the fact that we think, okay, well, if my resolution isn't coming to fruition in the month of January, then it's over. Then the goal is over. And I'm like, you have a whole year to do that. So why don't you start small in January, build on that in February, maybe you have to start over in March, but you have 12 months to get to an end point in December. And I think we forget that a lot. Oh my gosh. I totally agree. I think we've been bamboozled by New Year's resolutions (laughs) because we all think that you know, and you talk about this, you say that, you know, new year, new year does, doesn't happen overnight. Like the strike of midnight changes, nothing, right. We, we need to remember that we can, we can start new every day. And I really like the idea of like building month by month. Like, what are your goals for this month? And I do that with my coaching clients. Like I tell them, we are not going to overhaul your whole life overnight. You will get burned out. It's just not sustainable. You have to go piece by piece. And you were talking about like the little things and the small moments. That's what build our lives. Yes, we have like those big moments, but it's the small moments, the day-to-day things that really build yeah. our life. And we should kind of look at that in the same way with our habits. And, mm. you know, you talk about, like I said, the new year, new you, it doesn't change, you know, at the, at the strike of midnight, but it can happen brick by brick as we trust God to rebuild our ruins. And I think 
a lot of times when we think about our ruins and our broken, messy pieces, we think God can't use those, but how can God, how does God use our broken pieces to make us new? Well, so like that revelation for me, it came at the very start of a new year um, after a particularly hard year, like a year that I was kind of like, okay, peace out, never dealing with this year again. You know, like I'm like strike of midnight, I'm done with it. And then surprise, surprise, January 2nd or 3rd rolls around and you're like, wait, that stuff is still affecting me. Like I'm not a new person because of a new year. I'm a new person because God is able to do a transformation in my heart. Um, And so it was during that time that I was picking a word for the year. And uh, the word that I came came upon was rebuilt. Um, There's a passage in Jeremiah 30 that says the city will be rebuilt on her ruins. And I remember thinking to myself like, huh, I've never seen that before. I didn't realize that before, but like every word in the word of God is so intentional. And so where God could have said the city will be rebuilt, he said the city will be rebuilt on her ruins. Or one of the translations says um, the city will be rebuilt on her mound, which literally means heap of rubble. So make no mistake, this is not um, the most valuable things that we're building upon. It's the things that we thought at one point were going to destroy us. And I think God was so intentional in saying like, hey, these things that you thought were going to disqualify you, like I'm rebuilding on top of that. And like, I've gone through some hard things in my life. And I think it's just evidence that I want to say to other people, like, don't shy away from the hard stuff. Don't be discouraged when it comes around, like, because that's where you learn. That's where you grow. That's where you become a different person. Like you're transformed through the crushing, but we do so much in our lives to try to like reroute our way around the crushing to avoid it altogether. And I'm like, no, like that's where God works. Yes. I absolutely love that. We can't just go around those things. And I I totally agree. I think that I hear that a lot on the podcast too, especially in my testimonies of like, when did you feel closest to God? And it's usually in those times, those deep valleys where God shows up because he's always there. But when times are good, we don't really pay attention. But when times are bad, we're like, oh, there he is. And he's always there to pick us back up. And I just love that about him. He's so good. So I really want to talk about this. You're very honest in the book about your fight with depression. And I think it's so important. And I love that you're so honest and transparent and thank you for that. You turned to journals and to writing fight songs. So how did that help you see light at your darkest? How did the depression help or like the journals? I think both. I think that just you're being your open and honest self about the depression, because sometimes we try to keep that a secret. It's like mm, almost shameful, yeah. right? But it it's, affects so many people. And I think it's so important to bring it into the light. Yes. Well, okay. So I, I think about this on a lot of different levels um, because I am somebody who like was like the first time I ever battled depression, I was kind of thrust into a spotlight, like because of a Ted talk. Um, And so it was like, no one knew that I had depression to like, everybody knew that I had depression. And it was kind of like, 
I was thankful that I had gone through it and come out on the other side of it, because I think one of the things that I I'm really careful about telling people is that like, when you're in the midst of something like it's okay to be in process. It's okay to go through it without feeling like you need to be a teacher on the topic. Um, like the second time that I dealt with depression, like I was in the thick of it, but I didn't let people online know. I let my closest people know and they walked with me through it. And I came to a place where I felt comfortable in my story where I felt like God was moving, where I felt like assured before I shared anything. Because sometimes if like you're in the midst of something and you start sharing about it, like you almost like can delay you getting through the process because you've invited too many people into it, right? Um, or I think sometimes like if you go through something and you get attention for being in the midst of something really hard, that hard thing can become your identity in a lot of ways. And that's something that I did not want. I did not want to be known as the girl who was depressed. Depression is not my identity at the end of the day. It is something that I deal with on a daily basis. Um, but my God is bigger than me having a story of that's just the depressed girl. Um, so I say that to say it is a lot of behind the scenes work, but at the same time, I think it's really beautiful that like one of the weakest parts of my story can be the open door for other people. Um, and so it's something that I share without shame because I've seen the light it brings to other people. And I know that the enemy would love for us to keep those hard, vulnerable parts of our stories to ourselves to never share what we've learned. But there are people hanging in the balance and you never know when your story is going to be the thing that like reaches out, grabs them and pulls them out of the woods. Um, and so I've tried to be very like, um, I've tried to be open with my depression, but at the same time, the things that I have to do every single day to maintain it, like that doesn't change. That's the work I have to do behind the scenes in order to show up every single day and be able to thrive in the way that I want to thrive. Yeah, such a good point. Just because you've brought it into the light doesn't mean it's completely gone. But, and I also like how you talked about you, you didn't want to just be known as a depressed person because again, that's not your identity. And your identity is child of God, daughter of the King. And yeah. not, not letting yourself kind of have that label, but I just, I think it's, it's such an important topic that often gets just put into the dark because it, because it can mm. be a dark, scary thing. But so I love, I think that you're reaching a lot of people with just being open and honest about it. So thank you. Well, and I think too, though, like what you just said, I think we have this idea in our mind of what a depressed person looks like. And I'm like, well, people can be highly functioning and depressed. And like, depression is not always like, I can't get out of bed. Or like, in my case, like, it's like, well, I have depression. Like, that is part of my walk. Um, and I take medication every single day. And I do certain regimented things in order to keep myself in maintenance mode. But like, I think it's that misconception of like, what does depression look like that? Like, it's really important to realize that it's like so much can be happening behind the scenes and just and that. I think really that's a reminder to us to like check in with our people, check in with our friends, like 
to know that even if it looks like they're doing just fine, like you don't know unless you ask where they're at, because the people that can look like they're at the top of the mountaintop, they can be falling apart inside. And it's important that we see one another in that. Yeah, such a good point. We we definitely don't see everybody's stories, especially when we're seeing the highlight reels on social media. And it doesn't look like just not being able to get out of bed. Like you said, very high functioning, depressed, depressed people. So I think it's important to have that tribe around you who know what's going on or who can check on you, who you feel like you can be open and honest with and not isolating yourself, because I know that that can happen a lot with depression too. Totally. 100%. As hard as it is to like have people around you at that time, you need it. Like Mm -hmm. you absolutely need it. Yeah, totally. So you talk about the habits that you've created to kind of help you walk through that depression. And you talk a lot in the book about rest and healthy daily habits. So how important is rest and healthy daily habits? I love this topic because that's kind of what the whole podcast is about for us. Yeah. Um, I'm a big advocate for rest. Um, and I think rest can look different for other people. Um, for me, I tried to keep a Sabbath. Um, and so like there is one day a week where I'm not working, where I'm not plugged in, where I'm not like in tune with everything. And like, I, I say that to also say that like, I'm not perfect at it. I don't think that anybody is like, I, I can't wait for the day that I get to the place where I'm like, I rest perfectly. I'm not there yet though. Um, and so I think though that we have to like, we, we do have to know the importance of rest, especially within a hustle culture. Um, And I think like, it's interesting because we're like living in this space where it's either all or nothing. It's like hustle, 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 no time to rest or like rest, rest, rest. You don't need to hustle. And I'm like, can't we meet in the middle somewhere where it's like, I work hard, I rest hard. Um, it's, It's just an interesting debate that I feel like we're always standing at in the middle of. Um, And I wanna say like, Get it be both and, you know, like I do work really hard, but like I'd be remiss to say that I'm going to be okay if I don't take rest, if I don't unplug, if I don't do whatever it is to fill my soul back up, especially if you are in a position where you are pouring out, like you need to be refilled. You can't pour from an empty cup. Yes, that is one of my favorite quotes. You cannot pour from an empty, empty cup. So important. And I, I need to be better too about my Sabbath. (laughs) Right. It's, I felt like I was in a really good rhythm and then like the pandemic happened and all of a sudden I felt like, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people felt this where it was like, I felt like, oh, I can't shut off. I can't shut off. I need to know what's happening at all times. Um, right which did not lead to any better health. No, like it it really did not. I was like nine months pregnant in the midst of a pandemic. And like, I don't know why I didn't just like shut off and know that God was in control because, you know, it just, yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. I agree. It's been a wild, a wild 2020. And I know we're out of 2020, but it's not over. And that's what else I was like. I love that. We all think like, oh, we can't wait to be done with 2020. Like as if, it was all just going to stay back there. <laughs> we mm-hmm. wish. <laughs> I'm like, no, really though. I really mean it when I say the strike of midnight does not hold any magic because it may be just more of the same. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think like your circumstances might not change, but you can change what you do in the midst of those circumstances. And that's incredibly important to not give up on that. 
Yes. And I think that's, it's, it's almost frustrating to me lately because I think people really did think like, okay, it's going to be different in this year in 2021, but I just think everybody needs to have a better attitude toward the whole pandemic and just kind of do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just, I feel like there's so much negativity and I'm kind of just like, Hey, I'm just going with the flow over here. And mm. I think one of the things that I've really, that's been on my heart lately is the joy that God brings us that you can only get from God is having that joy in your heart, regardless of the circumstances and let's as believers spread that joy and make sure that we're not spreading the negativity. You know, let's, let's, mm be that light, be that joy. And just remember, you know, we really are all in this together. And if we can all kind of change our attitudes and focus on that singular goal, things might be a little better in 2021. (laughs) I totally, totally 100% agree with you. Like, and I think that that's a, it's a mindset shift. It's a heart shift. And it starts on an individual level. Is that like, you can be going through something really hard and, um, And that does not discount what you're going through, but like, if you're going to approach everything with like a negative lens, you're, I don't know, like I'm somebody who also believes in like, kind of like the law of attraction, like what you put out there is what you get back. And like, Jesus talks about that in the Bible of like, you know, like whatever you're putting out there will be measured back to you. And I think the same thing happens with our emotions that if I'm constantly putting negativity out there, negativity is coming back to me. And so it's like, I learned this at the start of the pandemic, being pregnant, very pregnant. And then my husband experienced a job loss. And I'm like, what is going on right now? And um, what I started doing is I I kept this little notebook um, and I called it my pleases and thank yous. And I would write them down every single day. My pleases were my prayers. My thank yous were the things that I was thankful for. And I watched as that really changed my spirit. Nothing about the circumstances changed, but the way what I was putting out there was changing. And I think it was changing the circumstances around me. Oh my gosh. Amen to all of that. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. I think that our gratitude, the attitude of gratitude, right? It really does change our hearts. Mm -hmm. And I I like these, it starts on an individual level. And if we could all have just more compassion and, and, more selflessness. I think that there's been a lot of entitlement and selfishness that's come out of. (laughs) Amen. So my last question for you, Hannah, is what is the promise me you'll fail contract that you have in the book? Cause I love the listeners to hear about that. I I loved that. Yeah. So I wrote this contract a few years ago. Um, I wrote it for an intern specifically that was working with me. Um, because I think like a lot of times we look at failure and it's kind of like how we look at fear. We like demonize it. We give it claws. Like we give it things. Like we do everything that we can at all costs to avoid failure. But at the same time, failure is such a great teacher. And I think that failure, I think it happens a lot more than we think it does in daily life, but it's, it's the amount of weight that we place on something, you know? And so if we can reframe failure through the context context of like, okay, failure just simply means something's not working. Like something needs to be changed or rerouted, or maybe we try better next time, or we try this instead. Um, And so I created this contract that people could sign in the book because I wanted people to know, hey, failure is going to happen. 
And actually like you should hope that failure happens because failure has been the greatest teacher in my life. And so if you're not failing, you're not developing as much as you possibly could. Yes, I agree. And it goes back to that attitude of just kind of having that positive attitude of what can I do better next time? And how can this help me improve? And I know I'm one for just constantly evolving and, you know, changing, improving my life. So I see it as a good thing too. So I really, really liked that in the book. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a good contract. So I'm excited for people to get a hold of it. Yeah, totally. So is there anything else that you'd like to share that we didn't cover? I mean, I feel like we kind of like went all over the map. We did. (laughs) We totally did. Great conversation. Well, the book is out in the world, so you can order it now on Amazon and all of the other book places, right? And where can people connect with you, Hannah? Because I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of people who would love to connect with you. You can find me over at hannahbruncher.com. There's information about the book over there, but I'm also blogging regularly, updating that website. So hop over to hannahbruncher.com for more encouragement. Awesome. Thank you so much, Hannah. I really appreciate you coming on today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Lana Send the Word. May you be blessed and always be a blessing. Bye. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to Wellness and the Word. Please remember to pray for Stephanie Scott as much as you can all day long if possible. She needs our prayers and that is what we are meant to do as brothers and sisters in Christ in this world is to pray for each other, to be there for each other, and to love each other the way that Jesus loves us. So please pray for your sister. And if you ever need prayer, please reach out to me because that is the heart of this podcast and of my ministry.